0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated, almost boosted Johnson in D.C. Today, I'm excited. Going to be talking to Marcus Flowers. He's running against Marjorie three names, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Georgia. He's an Army veteran. He's a Georgia Democrat. I'm just, I really want him to win. So I can't wait to talk to him. Please enjoy my conversation with Marcus Flowers. Welcome to the show, Marcus.
1: Thank you for having me, Kimberly. We appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your followers.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I just, first of all, I have to say congratulations on your Vote Vets endorsement. I know them well. I love them. So congratulations. That's totally awesome. <laughs> that, and That uh, means uh, to me. Uh, yeah, I know. I can imagine. Um, okay, so obviously you're in Georgia, and you are an Army veteran. You are running against Marjorie Taylor Greene. So I'd like for you, before we start, like getting into the weeds, Just tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Well, a little bit about me. I am originally from Troy, Alabama, Mm -hmm. the birthplace of John Lewis. Hmm, Uh, Yeah, I grew up there until I was 11 years old and I ended up moving into a children's home because my family couldn't support me. Hmm. And I lived there until I was 18. Wow. Yeah, at 18, I joined the army sworn oath to support and defend the constitution and that's pretty much what i've been doing for the last 27 28 years as a soldier I'm a former defense contractor and a government official with the department of defense and uh, yeah service to this country's been my life um, you know and seeing what's been going on in the world yeah uh, over the last several years mm-hmm. say. watching Marjorie Taylor Greene's <laughs> ascension. Mm-hmm. Speak. Uh, you know, I felt like it was time for me to, you know, step up. And yeah, you know, one of the last messages John Lewis left us was, or the last message John Lewis left us, which was, you know, when you hear that highest calling in your heart, yeah. stand up for what you truly believe. And those words, you know, resonated with me in watching Marjorie Taylor Greene. Misrepresent our district and me. Uh, yeah, had to answer that call. I had to answer that call.
0: So what? What was the specific? What are the specifics as to why you decided to run against her?
1: Well, you know, as I told you, I was a, I was a government official, soldier, defense contractor, and I was always bound by Hatch Act, so I couldn't be outwardly political. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching the and I'm going to call it the social reckoning mm-hmm. that was taken place over the majority if not all of the previous administration uh watching that taking place and i could see you know you know the white hot rhetoric coming from both sides uh, mostly from one side of the political spectrum mm-hmm. uh, i was watching all of that and then i said you, you know you know, we've got to we've got to tone it down a little bit you know this is this is very divisive yeah and there's hate speech that's coming, becoming more and more prevalent. Um, and then I watched as George Floyd was murdered. Oh, yeah, A lot of people have feelings about that, but that was one of the things that, you know, kind of, it was jarring for me. And I was like, okay, you know, we've, we've, we've seen police officers, videos of police officers sh- shooting black men. We've seen, you know, People getting pulled over for routine stops and being killed, you know. But watching Officer Chauvin resting his knee on George Floyd's neck so nonchalantly, while this man begs for his life, calls for his mother, <sighs> that kind of that kind of got me. And I'm, you know, I'm not a person who's easily shaken. You know, I spent a decade in war zones mm-hmm. in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I've seen death up close and personal. Yeah, I you lost know, my life a few times. So I've seen the horrors of war, but watching that, yeah. that's murder. Right. It was yeah, murder. It was. Watching that, that that kind of, that, that shook me. So I, I got on social media after that for the first time. Uh, I got a Twitter account and started talking with people in my neighborhood and around the country and, you know, seeing what other people's feelings were, mm-hmm. you know, because I've never spoken out about anything wow. before. I just started talking to people and I started to see people... You know, they're feeling the way that I'm feeling. They're seeing what I'm seeing. And I, and I bring a unique perspective to it because, like I said, I've spent a decade in war zones and I see
0: yeah.
1: the dangers of misinformation and disinformation and radicalism. I, I've seen that. I've witnessed it firsthand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In comes Marjorie Taylor Greene <sighs> <laughs> into the picture. Oh I started seeing her. How she swoops into our district and basically buys a primary and... And the guy who was running against her, the Democrat, drops out of the race. Mm-hmm. While trying to help get elected, you know, as far as putting up yard signs and yeah. you know making phone calls, that's about all I could do as a government official at the time. Uh, but he drops out, and became apparent that she was going to be our next representative. And you know, so I reached out to her and said, "Hey, you need to walk back some of these statements that you're making. This is divisive rhetoric. You know, you're disparaging black and brown people." Mm-hmm. This isn't who we are in this district. Walk that back. Mm-hmm. If you're going to represent us, you need to represent us. Crickets from her. Yeah. But then on January 6th, I'm sitting at home, you know, because it's during COVID, working, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm watching what's going on at the Capitol. I'm watching police officers being beaten with American flags while a Confederate battle flag is being paraded through our Capitol rotunda, mm-hmm. and for me, that was the point where it became mission critical. Wow. I had to do something. As John Lewis's words getting louder and louder in the back of my mind. So the very next day, I called my supervisor. and I resigned my post as a government official and said, I'm going to run for Congress again.
0: Wow. Wow. Oh my God. So um, now it appears that she was involved in the planning of, of the insurrection. Um, I'm just curious do you believe if she's found guilty that she should serve time?
1: I believe in accountability Mm -hmm. my background is in compliance and one of my jobs in in the government and as a defense contractor and soldier was combating fraud waste and abuse Mm -hmm. so i fully believe in accountability in those who break the law Mm -hmm. and and let's be honest here that was an insurrection yeah we can't she played a part in it yeah we saw her words and her statements you can watch our videos that we have out online on our Twitter account or on our Facebook account that shows that she was part of that, I don't know what you call them, uh, those seditionists who were helping incite the violence of January 6th. Um, So yeah, I believe they all should be held accountable.
0: And just in case people don't know where to find you, we'll do this at the end too, but what is your Twitter handle?
1: My Twitter handle is Marcus for Georgia. That's Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, the letter, or number four, and Georgia all spelled out, at Marcus for Georgia.
0: Yeah, because you've got those uh, videos up, and it's good if just, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening have seen them, but just in case, it's good to check out your feed uh, to find out a little bit more about you and a little, bo- little bit more about Marjorie. Um so you're running in Georgia, which you know, I mean, it's, it's a deep red state and I guess where you're running specifically it's deep red, but obviously we saw, uh, Georgia turn blue in 2020. Now, what do you think is going to have, like, how do you, how do you see yourself winning there? Because there's, it, there's a, a lot of red voters. How are you dealing with them? What are you saying to them?
1: I'm just being me. Uh, Kimberly, that's, that's all I can be. Mm-hmm. I get out and I talk with people and I meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. I listen to them. I, I listen to their concerns. I tell them what I would do for them. And that's constituent services at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I'll represent you mm-hmm. and the things that you need. Like we need health care in this district. I mean, yeah. Rural broadband is something that we desperately need. You know, and attracting Businesses. I mean, we need rural broadband to attract and keep companies here because, let's face it, no one's going to come to a dist- district where they don't have reliable internet right. infrastructure is h- huge here. And one of the things I tell people is, look, you know, and, and she's not popular here. Let me state that. Right. I talk to Republicans and Democrats alike, and they're embarrassed by her.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Although, so what what are you, you hearing? You may
1: not be happy with everything I say or do or the way yeah. I vote, But I will work on the issues here. I will help bring you closer to your government by focusing on issues. One thing I will never do is embarrass you.
0: So what are you hearing specifically from Republican voters? Are you getting positive feedback from them? Are they curious about you?
1: Yes, they are. They want to know what I stand for. And and I get the same questions you're asking me now are the questions I get from Republican voters. Where are you from? Right. How long have you lived here? Yeah. What issues do you want to focus on? What do you think? And I just talk about the issues here. Mm-hmm. It's local. All politics are local. I talk about kitchen table issues. And I talk about common sense reforms mm-hmm. that we all can agree on. And I talk about the misinformation and disinformation that's out there that we need to get beyond and that we need to get beyond this division. Yeah. Because the majority of us, the vast majority, of us, and I'm telling you, people, To a person, every Republican I talk to to a person agrees and understands that the majority of us agree on most things in the center. Mm -hmm. We have a far right and a far left Mm -hmm. for the loudest voices in the room. We've got to get beyond that. And people want that. They want decency. They want us to be able to talk and figure things out. That's what I'm seeing here. Mm -hmm. And I've traveled the entire district in this short. I know it's early still, and I still Mm -hmm. have a year to go. But that's what I'm hearing consistently. And yes, there are those who think that, oh yeah, she's doing a great job. And I I just question, what is it that she's doing a great job? Right, yeah. Yeah. What what do you think that she's doing for you? How is she fighting for you? Some people get caught up in that, but they're in that misinformation and disinformation Mm -hmm. bubble. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. So then we have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I explain to them why I see that the way I do it. And give it to them from from my perspective. You know, someone who's, sat down across the table from Afghan and Iraqi warlords and mm-hmm. negotiated on behalf of the United States, someone who's been to Camp Bucca, the birthplace of ISIS, and looked at our enemies in the eyes. And I can tell you, I said, guys, when I look at my next door neighbor who's a Republican, we get along fine, that's not my enemy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: None of the people here in this district are my enemy because they have different political views than I do. Mm-hmm there's enough goodwill for us to meet in the middle somewhere and talk but we have to get back to decency integrity honor and negotiating in good faith which is what's been lacking in our politics yeah. quite some time now
0: um what would you say are the most pressing issues for you in this next election whether it's your candidacy or in a general sense nationwide
1: we, we, we've got to do something about the misinformation and disinformation out there yeah that's something we have to push back on but the issues that i, I talked about before jobs in the economy infrastructure mm-hmm. in these rural areas rural broadband healthcare i mean we've got an aging population here in this district and something personal to me are veterans issues we talked about this at the beginning mm-hmm. i'm a disabled veteran you know someone who suffered a traumatic brain injury and it took forever to get you know my disability benefits from mm-hmm you know, my service, but I want to take care of our b- veterans
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that's personal for me.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I, You know, I see guys who served in Vietnam just now getting their benefits Wow, Vietnam. That is criminal to me. That it should is. have never happened. Before. Yeah, You know, and that's not a one-off. Mm-hmm. I've talked to several people who are in the same boat. We've got to take better care of our veterans. We've got to take care of our aging population. We've got to work on bringing small businesses back and getting businesses in the district. Yeah. It's all over for me. Mm-hmm. So that's the issues that I want to work on.
0: When you say things like this to Republican voters, how, how are they taking it? Are they, do you get a sense that they like what you're saying? Do you feel that they're skeptical of you?
1: It resonates. It okay. resonates. You know, some you'll get the wheels turning and they'll be mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy's a Democrat. Well, <laughs> Democrats are our enemy. And, right. You know, more and more you talk, you break past that, those right wing talking voices. They look at me and you know, it, it's kind of hard to paint me as a socialist or a communist. <laughs> yeah. when I tell them what I've done my entire career has been about service to the country. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, you, you, you see them start to think like, wait a minute. What, He's not at all what I thought,
0: Democrat. So, wow, yeah. interesting. Um,
1: That's the reception I get here.
0: Yeah. Okay, now I have a question for you, as a black man. How do you process the racism and the white supremacy that we're currently experiencing? And I just want to know: Do you feel that it's gotten worse? Because from what I can witness, at least online and some people that I talk to in person, I see other black folks saying that it's uh, always been this way but it's been hidden and I would, you know, I'm not certainly going to argue with that. Um, the way that it looks to me, it looks like it's just more blatant and obvious now. So I'd like to hear your perspective.
1: My perspective on racism now as a black man who grew up in the South, have I ever experienced racism? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah of, course of course I have. <laughs> and, you know, now a large portion of my adulthood I spent out of the country serving uh, overseas so when I came back I moved back to the country in 2014 I noticed things were I'll say different Mm -hmm. things were a little bit more overt Mm -hmm. it was was being discussed more Mm -hmm. um, than I remember uh, it, it, being discussed, you know, things were being captured on camera
0: mm-hmm. a lot more. Right. Uh,
1: so, I mean, that, those are the things I think it's gotten out in the public more and more people are just seeing that, yes, this is a problem. People have been talking about this for years and mm-hmm. years as someone who considers himself a little bit of a history buff,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it's, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. We've had these issues. And I think a lot of people want to think that, oh no, we don't have racial issues. We had a black president's Right. And that I think brought out a certain segment of our population who are, let's just face it, white supremacists. Yeah. They're pushing back. I mean, you had them coming out saying, oh, when Obama got elected, you know, that helped with recruiting of you know, Klan members. Those guys haven't gone away. They're rebranding now. Mm-hmm. They're the no longer wearing hoods. They're wearing khaki pants, and you know, walking through town. And they're spreading disinformation and misinformation online. So, you, to answer your question more bluntly, well, we've always had a problem with racism. Mm-hmm. Has it gotten worse or better? I think it's more visible now. Is hmm. is the simple answer?
0: Yeah. I mean, I can say you know, I mean, as a woman, I'm a white woman, but the white supremacy that I see and that I see, you know, political people talking about openly, I mean, it threatens me because white supremacy is misogyny as well. And, you know, I mean, it's like I said before, obviously there, it's always been here. We've always had racism. And I totally agree. Like when Barack Obama was elected, it basically just ripped off that underbelly that maybe felt uncomfortable in public saying something all of a sudden now they freaked out and then they started (laughs) being very vocal like you said overt they they didn't hide it and then Trump comes in and you know the good people on both sides and all the things that he said it it seems to me now that they're you know emboldened it's not to say that it's necessarily worse it's just that they're emboldened and and we definitely see a lot more of it and it's it's scary it's
1: it's not so fringe anymore right not so fringe anymore. You see those white supremacist talking yeah. points. In things like memes. For people who don't understand
0: yeah.
1: or have seen those, let's call them dog whistles, mm-hmm. in these memes. That stuff, my community, we, we know what that means. Yeah, We know what these memes are, and they make them so, so nice and palatable so the kids see them, and it's, yeah, it's just normal. Yeah, maybe I feel that way, but yeah, it's disinformation. It's psychological warfare from the far right fringes and these people are in the minority. We mm-hmm. have to
0: remember
1: yes. the minority. Most people, and I believe this with all of my heart, most people are good. Yeah. But they're being misguided. And these far right talking points that are leaking into our political discourse, you know, this is the misinformation and disinformation campaign that I'm talking about that we're pushing back so hard against. And you're here listening to Fox News and people like Tucker Carlson talking. And you're recognizing that, well, this is white supremacy mm-hmm. at its worst. Yeah. But rebrand it in a way that it's more palatable for everyone. And oh, these guys are trying to take something from me. No, no one's trying to take anything from anyone. Right. Wanting equal rights doesn't mean that infringes on someone else's rights. So we've got to push back on that stuff. And that's a part of our larger campaign win-lose-or-draw, I'm going to be in this. Mark Flowers is not going away, and I'm going to continue to push back <laughs> on that with everything I have.
0: So do you feel that the next two election cycles are going to break, make or break our democracy?
1: You know, as someone who's served the country my entire adult life, America's been my life. Mm-hmm. Make or break. I think, you know, we've got a reckoning uh, that's coming up in these next two election, elections. Mm-hmm. They're important. They're extremely important. Mm-hmm. We've got to push back against as we were talking about in the last segment, against that misinformation and disinformation and these voter suppression laws that you know one side's trying to do. Because I, I, I see it as, you know, if you're not if your platform's not about something that's helping people, then it's just a conspiracy for power.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and that's really what what it is. Yeah. On the right, you know, that's we're gonna be the party of no and we're gonna say that you guys are not governing because we're not going to help. And then we're going to run ads and say that you're, you can't govern when actually Democrats have been delivering for quite some time Mm -hmm. on a lot. And I think that we need to show, continue to show that we can deliver um, so that we win in the next election. We need to keep the house and don't need to see a certain individual come back as our president. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. In spite of voter suppression laws (laughs) popping up all over the country, we can push back against those and still win. But we have to show that we can run government in an effective and efficient way. We have to be able to show that because the Republicans are killing us on messaging right now.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I want to say, I think I agree that the, the Republicans are really good at messaging. And I think right now the Democrats are, I do think that they have learned, especially since Obama was president and watching what the right did that whole time, the way that they handled his presidency, the way they handled him. But what I'm also seeing right now is the media is, I think, doing the country a disservice because it's like this twenty-four-seven cycle, where they have to have a headline. They and you know, I mean, there's arguments that are made all over the place. Certain people running, uh, whether it's you know CNN, MSNBC. Of course, we know about Fox, but other networks, or, or if you want to go to Politico or. New York Times um, editorial sections. We have people like there was a guy, I, Connor something or other, and I don't know his last name, but he wrote for the Atlantic last night, or he it came out last night, that he was he said that Ron DeSantis is basically okay. He he didn't uh, Ron DeSantis didn't scare this author, this writer in the same way Trump did. Which I look at Ron DeSantis and I just think he's a smarter version of Trump how do you feel like, I mean, I think Democrats can always improve on their messaging and it's one thing that I say a lot, but I feel like they've done a pretty good job. If you want to find out what's in the build back better uh, bill, you can look at, you can look online. There's an NBC article that tells you everything you need to know about it. But then you go to the media, uh, a lot of the media and they're, they're just focusing on how much the bill cost as opposed to what's in it. And they kind of make, you know, I mean, like the idea of they started off at three-something trillion and now they've settled on one-something trillion, one-seven-five, I think, or one-two-five, I can't remember. But if if we hadn't known, if Democratic voters or even Republican voters didn't know any cost and we didn't know that there was a, not a compromise, because I see it, you know, with two people standing in the way, a little bit more of a compromise, but still, compromise down, the things that we did get are very impressive, yet it's sold to us through the media as if it was a big fat failure, and then you have all these apathetic Democrats saying that the Democrats are weak. What do you have to say about that, especially with the media?
1: Uh, that's, I mean, but that's the thing. Democrats should be focusing on more and getting that messaging out more than what we've delivered on. Mm-hmm. Because just, for example, drain the swamp. Everybody knows that, mm-hmm. you know, but they don't know that Democrats have delivered for m- many, many years on the American Rescue Plan, the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, child tax credits. Mm-hmm. That's not breaking through as much as you know being called the radical left or things like that. Right. These are the things that I mean. That's what I mean when I talk about we have to work on our messaging. Yeah. Because and show what we've done as Democrats, what we've delivered on, and get people past the whole drain the swamp thing. And, <laughs> uh, it's the whole locker up thing, how that yeah, caught fire. That's, right. what, that's what I mean by the Republican messaging is far better than ours, because these little catchphrases yeah. that stick, but they're not true. Right. So, you know, we, we're we the party who got the violence against women's. Yes, uh, yes. Pass or the reauthorization. You know, we've gotten bipartisan background checks passed. These, these are things that people need to know. Okay, yeah. well, that's the pushback, you know? So we right. need to push back against, we need to tie the radical right. That needs to be mm-hmm. uh, one of the messages that sticks because yes. you know, we, <laughs> there, there's a few radicals out there yeah. on the right, so. And
0: they, you're, you're running against one of them.
1: I'm <laughs> running against the most
0: radical. Yes. One of
1: right so, <laughs> A believer in QAnon. So yes. these are the things. That's what I mean when I talk about messaging. Democrats are delivering. Right. I want to see the messaging where people know for a fact and they can push back against those things and say, "Yeah, here's what they've delivered on." Right. So that's that's all I mean by messaging. We need more effective messaging. Yeah, and I,
0: I will not argue that. I think you're absolutely
1: right. Um, I guess Fox News is probably one of those right-wing message boards and Newsmax and OAN are <laughs> right. willing to they can't find a new low to get to yeah. in order to push those messages out
0: Ugh, it's just so frustrating it is um I'm going to move over to the insurrection and as far as like you know Bannon and Trump there's a lot of opinions about about Merrick Garland what he is doing what he isn't doing I'm seeing some lawyers argue that Bannon should be arrested now. And I'm seeing others saying that the legal process needs to play out. And I'm just, what do you, how do you feel about this one, six committee and what's happening with Bannon uh, right now?
1: Well, let me first start by saying I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) The legal part of it. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about, but again, it all comes back to accountability. Mm-hmm. Congress has oversight authority, full stop. You shouldn't yeah. just be able to ignore a subpoena and try and run out the clock, you know, to avoid, you know, answering. Yeah. So I guess I'll fall on the side of, yeah, maybe he should be arrested and sit in jail for a while until <laughs> he decides it's, uh, you know, maybe it's in my best interest to, you know, come clean and talk to the January 6th committee.
0: So yeah.
1: it's kind of where I fall on that, but I'm all about accountability. So that's me.
0: So with accountability, let's go out for, as far as justice playing out for people who plotted and planned for the insurrection. I mean, again, I'm going to say lawyers have said it's 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 difficult to prove uh, the intent, right? where This is really sticky. So Donald Trump clearly stood in front of the po, you know, in front of that microphone on January six, and he said what he said, and we all know what he said. But you know, you take yeah, you take it into a court of law, and all of a sudden, there's things that you know it's different than the court of public opinion. Um, so, I mean, do you? Th- some people say that if if Trump is going to go to jail, which I will ask you about that in a minute, but. If he's going to go to jail, it would be more likely because of his taxes, because, you know, math, and it's just, it's on paper, and it's easy to see if he broke the law, if, if he did, did well, I'm sure he did. But with the 1-6 insurrection, it's going to be more difficult, I think, to prove. Um, lawyers would have to have, like, some kind of solid, absolute, They, I, I don't even know that they would take it. Pardon me?
1: They would need a smoking yes, gun. Yes,
0: they would need a smoking gun. So regardless of and I know this might make you uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Regardless of whether it's for tax reasons or for insurrection reasons, do you think either Trump should go to jail or do you think he ever will go to jail?
1: Uh, we are a nation of laws. It's all about law and order. Mm-hmm. No one is above the law. Not even a president. Um, so if you break the law, if I break the law, I fully expect that there are consequences to my actions. Mm -hmm. Most people do, which is why we don't break the laws. (laughs) We don't want any of those consequences. Um, Again, no one is above the law. And that's why the work of the January 6th committee is so important to get to the bottom of everything that happened, Mm -hmm. not only on that day, but leading up to that day. That's why phone records are important. Yes. Note, everything that these guys are pushing back on and trying to hide from the public, we need to see that. It's our information. Amongst us, Congress has oversight authority. Full stop. They need to exercise it. And uh, I think the DOJ should get on board with that. Yeah. My opinion, I wouldn't presume to tell, you know, Attorney General, what to do, but we're a nation of law.
0: Right. Well, then, in the case, if let's say Trump escapes any kind of accountability. And, and, you know, I mean, according to listening to angry people on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Sounds like he's been doing it for years. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Um, But, you know, there's people on Twitter and it's not just on Twitter, but I mean, that's political Twitter. Uh, You've got people assuming the worst, which I don't like to do, but assuming he's going to he's not going to be held accountable. So. Let's just say, because I just did a tweet, and I said, you know, it's not that it doesn't matter what the Democrats do, but no matter what they do, no matter what the DOJ does, it is up to American voters to decide whether democracy stays or goes. And, you know, that means, to me, that means if the DOJ fails to, uh, you know, put Trump in jail or put some of the higher ups in jail, accountability rule of law, w- you know, as, as voters... I don't want to punish the Democratic Party by ushering in fascism because that's not going to be the answer that I want. So, um, I mean, do you think we would be able to move forward as a nation? I think there's a real possibility. I mean, I don't like to think this way, but, you know, we've seen what we've seen in this country. Wealthy white men, just wealthy men in general, criminal men often walk free. Don't have to, they're not held accountable. Can we move on as a country In a progressive way without that accountability?
1: The short answer I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. This one's, this is not like some white collar criminal getting off for, Mm -hmm. you know, some run of the mill fraud. Yeah. This got at the very heart of our democracy.
0: Yeah.
1: Tried to overturn an election. We've all seen, yes, there is the court of public opinion. We've seen a lot of things out there. I am the same way as you. I like to wait for the other shoe to drop Mm -hmm. to see all of the evidence Mm -hmm. and then let the chips fall where they may. No one should be above the law. No one.
0: No one. I totally agree.
1: (laughs) Or or sitting president. Yeah. For that. Yeah, absolutely. If it's found that Trump Green, Rudy Giuliani, any of them mm-hmm. broke the law, then they should face those consequences. Yeah. I think that will help us move on as a nation. And I, th- I think that I think there's still things that are coming out that shows us that will show us just how close we got to losing it all. Right. That's why I'm in this thing, is I see how close we got to losing it all. They need to wait for the January 6th committee to say, "Look, something has to be done now. And I keep saying it, accountability. People need to be held accountable,
0: mm-hmm. for this.
1: not just the people who were there at the Capitol that day, who entered the building, but those who incited them, those who helped plan it. And if anyone was there who helped fund it, mm-hmm. that all needs to be brought into the light. And people need to be
0: held accountable. Well, yeah. um, You know, and I would, I'm just going to say as a voter, I want to see from Democratic candidates, straight talk, everything you're doing right now, just being straight, calling it like it is, understanding the parameters in which you have to work. Um, And so obviously, I encourage that for any candidate, but I want to ask what, What advice do you have to voters specifically about 2022? Because obviously there's all this division, there's confusion, there's myths and disinformation floating around out there. People are very anxious and worried and scared. Of course, I'm one of them. Um, So what advice would you have uh, to Democratic voters or to any voter, actually?
1: To all voters, actually. Uh, You know, yes, you hear politicians say it every time. This is the most important election, you got to get out and vote. But let me be clear here. This one is very important. Mm-hmm. This is about the preservation of our democracy for our kids, our grandkids, future generations. This is important because if we allow this one to get away. And we allow certain people to get back in office with no restraints, then I think the wheels come off. Yeah. Your yeah. vote is your voice, and your voice is important. If it wasn't important, they wouldn't be trying to take it away from you. As <laughs> we see with laws started here in Georgia, Georgia was approving ground, SB two oh two, and you're seeing those laws pop up all over the country. Mm-hmm. We've got to push back and i think we will push back we have to keep getting that message out talk to everyone that you know Mm -hmm. get out and vote because our very country depends on it
0: i'll add that in this election for 2022 and i mean of course i'll say this for 2024 as well um maybe take an extra step but, you know, if, if the last time what you did was vote and maybe donate to some candidates, this time do some phone banking. This time go out, register voters. Uh, you know, as you said, this is like the, we say this every election and it's true, but this is the most important election of our lifetime because of what you just said, because of the voter restrictions that we're seeing all over. And I, you know, which actually leads me to my next question, which is, As far as the voting rights bills, I mean, we know we've got some problems in the Democratic Party with two Democratic senators, Manchin and Sinema, and we've heard that they're not so keen on reforming the filibuster, but perhaps there might be a carve-out for this particular bill. Do you have confidence that we're going to be able to pass some, at least, maybe not the whole thing, but, you know, enough to get rid of gerrymandering? Do you think we'll be able to accomplish that in 2022?
1: I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. We've got to get through 2022.
0: Yeah, we have to.
1: People have to get out and vote. That's, I mean, and I see that enthusiasm is down. And I know you're seeing that, and mm-hmm. it's being discussed in the media. Oh, we're going to see what happens tomorrow in Virginia. Yes. Yeah. People have to get out and vote. I don't know how else to express it. This is going to be the first election after an insurrection.
0: Yes, I
1: can tell you how important it is, and I'm not even talking about 2024 because that's going to be even more important. Mm-hmm. But this is the most important one
0: mm-hmm.
1: right now. Mm-hmm. Got to do it. Got to get some of these oh and these far right people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Cawthorn and yeah, they have got to go. They belong nowhere near governance. No. Nowhere near governance. If we want to save democracy, this is how we do it. We yeah. vote those guys out. They've
0: got to go. Well, I certainly hope that you're able to um, to win. I'd love to see her gone. She's awful. And I'm grateful, very grateful that you're running. And I, you know, I I definitely I wish you all the best, and I will help to promote you and amplify. Uh, feel free to send me any tweets that you'd like for me to amplify, because I think you're fantastic, and I really appreciate what you're doing. Um, and you know, it's I, I had uh, Bruno Amato on not too long ago. He was also endorsed by Vote Vets, and he's, as you know, running against Kevin McCarthy. And I just think it's really cool that people are deciding taking a look at what's going on and saying, look, I have to answer this higher calling. I have to show up for the people. And I just want you to know that it's so appreciated. I appreciate it. People listening appreciate it. Um, before I let you go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you?
1: Well, everybody, I'm very easy to find. Just go to wwwmarcus for georgia all spelled out, dot com. Orchestra, georgia.com and check out our campaign, see what it is that we stand for. And if you can donate, we also have a volunteer link. You can volunteer and do phone banking. As Kimberly was talking about uh, text messages. We have a lot of room for volunteers. You know, we're going to get out, we're going to knock a hundred thousand doors. People in our district want to come out and help knock doors. Even if you're not from our district, we're close. You know, we'd love to have you. Um, and Kimberly, thank you for having us on. We appreciate the fact that you're an important voice here and you've allowed us to come and talk to your followers. It's uh, it's an
0: honor. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And uh, you take care and go visit his site. Give him some money. Help him out. Volunteer. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.